Glad to be with you this morning, uh, excited about this message and be a little bit different type of message a little bit because uh, um, this is not one of those feel-good messages that we have today. As you notice, I've, I've got a little thing here looking at me as I, as I preach and you may wonder what that is and I'll talk about that here in just a moment. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these, your men, for this, your time. I thank you, Lord, for what you desire to speak to us this morning. Father, all of us are immortal until we're faced with our mortality. And Lord, uh, time is limited. And Father, help us to hear your voice speak to us clearly this morning. Grow us up and teach us what you would have us know. And Father, help us to be effective with the time that we have. And Lord, to see uh, and recognize that uh, this is the day of salvation. And may it be for many throughout the world. In your name, amen. Well, today, man, as I jump in, I, I won't keep you long. It's not a long message, but it, I think it's a powerful message. It's something I feel like God impressed upon my heart. As you can see, I got a skull over here. This is supposed to be life-size. Now, some of you may have seen, I mentioned this last week. Maybe you, you went and looked this up. There are many pictures out there of monks, especially, I say pictures, they're actually paintings of monks in the 15th and 16th century, even as far back as the 12th and 13th century of their holding skeletons. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Matter of fact, several museums have these pictures throughout the United States or have these portraits or paintings throughout the United States, and they're actually holding a skull, and they're monks who are holding this skull, and, and there are several of them that uh, uh, are even on the Bible and have their hands over them, and they're, they're looking at this skull, and you may be going, well, that is morbid. It is morbid. And, and they were required in many instances to do that and reflect upon their own mortality, to know that, that, look, time is limited, life is limited. This is actually a future me other than it's smaller than me, right? It's, it's, it's the truth. that This is me looking into, if you will, my future, at least the future of my body, because the scripture says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And if flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of heaven, that means that this is of the world. And so when I look at a skull, when I look at something like this, it reminds me that life is very, very temporal, and we sow so much time into the temporal and not near enough time into the eternal men. It's me knowing that I have more life in this world behind me than I have before me today. It's me contemplating my death, the difference I made, the investments I made, the investments I could have done differently. It's me thinking of a difference I could have made or possibly the complacency that I've had in my life, the failure to be the man that I was called to be. It's me, it's my selfishness, it's my pride, it's my unforgiveness, it's my unwillingness to say no to sin, and even hearing the scripture state, the world and its desires are passing away. First John says that. And so when you look at this, in many ways, it's my future. And those things that are of the world, this is how they're going to wind up, men. Just like this, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And knowing that if I'm of this world, I too will pass away. There is no future beyond this life. All of us are immortal until we're faced 
with our mortality. Now, I, I, I thought of that on the tractor the other day. <laughs> All of us are, are immortal. We live life as though we're immortal. If you knew me when I was young, I was going to try it. I was going to do it. I was going to jump it. it. It didn't matter. That's just how I live my life. I, I, I didn't care. If somebody else was going to do it, then I was going to try it. And I was going to try to go further. I was going to try to go higher. I was going to try. It didn't matter. Stan, you remember the day. <laughs> it, it was reckless. It was reckless. Because we live our lives as though we're immortal instead of understanding that in reality, we are called to be, we're, we're called to be eternal. Not, not just immortal until our mortality shows up in front of us. Many of us live our lives as though we're immortal and, and until we get that diagnosis and we find out, oh my goodness, I really am mortal. I really am going to die. This is my future. There are so many things to contemplate in life. We rarely slow down enough to contemplate them. Life is busy. Life is fast. I don't need to tell you how fast it is. There are, there are those who are here this morning. You know what it was to leave the house and to get here on time. Others slept in this morning, and, uh, and yet others are going to be late simply because life is faster than they are. Today, the message, it is a little bit morbid. It's a message of slowing down. It's a message that made an appeal to me, like I said, while I was on the tractor a couple of weeks ago. I had nothing to do but sit there and contemplate. One of the scriptures that I've struggled with for years, and I've shared this with you men before, is this scripture of Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And in verse 23, he says, then I will tell them plainly, meaning that they will understand when I say this, they're going to know, depart from me, for I never knew you, you doers of evil. It's a powerful statement by Jesus, and I've struggled that for, with that statement for years. Depart from me, for I never knew you. How could that be? What about this one in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15? Do not love the world or anything of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it comes from the Father. It comes not from the Father, but comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away, is what the Scripture says. Or what about this one? This one will make you feel good. Jesus said, how about this? Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow the gate that leads to life and few are those who find it. He didn't say the gate's going to be thrown wide open and salvation's for everyone. He said that gate's going to be narrow. So how do we know that we're not living more temporal than we are eternal? Do you ever think of things like that? Do you slow down enough to contemplate where are my investments? Two weeks ago, I spoke to you about the importance of our investments, where we invest our time, where we invest our minds, where we invest our trust, who we invest our trust in, who we invest um, our lives with. It becomes very important. You know, I don't know if y'all know this, because we don't, we don't say anything about September 13th. But September 13th, 21 years ago, was a completely different day in America. In all of her glory, she was taken to her knees. 
21 years ago, the country was in mourning. But today, I mourn more over our country than I did at 9-11. Why? Because of how we have been led astray. Not just as a nation, but even in our churches. The lack of the church rising up to the occasion to tell men to become men, men of honor, men of integrity, men who make a difference, men who are, are men of influence, men who understand what Matthew 11 states, that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and violent men take it by force. That means we need to rise up to the occasion and make a difference because time is limited. Psalm 33, 12 said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I don't believe that God just meant Israel. I believe he's saying the nations who will come to God and not only acknowledge God, but live their lives for God, he will bless them. The Israelites at one time were blessed by God as they followed God, but then eventually they were led astray. They became complacent. Their borders were not protected. They worshiped false idols. They lusted things of this world. They put their faith more in the temporal. They married outside of what they were supposed to marry into. And because of that, false idols began to come into their culture and lead them astray. Isaiah chapter 3. Now, as we go into Isaiah chapter 3, and you can write this down because you need to go home and read this and study this chapter. But Isaiah chapter 3 is one that made an appeal to me the other day. This Isaiah chapter 3, it's interesting. Now, now to catch us up just a little bit, let me tell you, this is God uh, speaking, and he's speaking to Isaiah, and he's saying, hey, I'm going to take some things away from you. I'm going to just start stripping some things out. Now, the things that God takes out, that doesn't concern me a whole lot. Well, it it would if I would have lived it. Because he's saying, first, I'm going to take your food. I'm going to take your water. I take Because what's he taking there? Provision. But then he says, I'm going to take key players out. And those key players are no longer going to be a part of who you are. Now watch who these key players are. I'm going to take out the mighty man and the warrior is what God says. The judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the honorable man, the counselor and the expert artisan, and the skillful enchanter. Now let me stop for just a moment here. Notice men. Who are the warriors, the judges, the prophets, the elders, and so forth who are gone? They're men of influence, and he's saying, I'm taking them away from you now. No one is listening to them. And then he says, I'm going to make mere lads their princes. Now, that's, that's kind of funny to me. Mere lads, y'all know what that is? Boys are going to be in charge. No longer is it going to be men. And I've got to tell you, in this country, as I look at politicians, they're boys. They've never lived it. They don't care about fuel prices. They don't care about things that are happening in this country. As long as they're eating good and and they eat the fat of the land, that's all that matters. And maybe they'll rule the world one day. That's their goal. But also in our churches, in our churches, we no longer see oftentimes mighty men or warriors, the judge and the prophet. Those people are pushed out for the experts, those who have the knowledge that puffs up. We have to be careful here because he's saying, hey, look, the boys are going to start running things, not the men. Because the men have been taken out. And then watch what he says here. I had to look this word up. He says, and capricious children will rule over them. 
I had to look up the word capricious because I'm from Vago Park, actually seven miles from Vago. I don't know what that means. But I looked it up, and this is what capricious means. It means given to sudden and unaccountable changes or moods and behaviors. In other words, they just swing the pendulum. It's that child that throws a fit, and that child that throws a fit now is going to be the one that's in control. And the people will be oppressed, each one by another and each one by his neighbor. The youth will storm against the elder. Isn't that interesting? The youth now know more than the elder who's lived it out and has a life that's proven. And the inferior against the honorable is what the Scripture says. Now, for us to put America into this, many of the theologians out there will start bashing me. Already are. I'm sure I've already got the emails starting to come in because they're saying, he's talking about Israel. I'm not talking about America. If you can't see America in this, you're blind. This is what's taking place. And they will display, watch this, and they will display their sin like Sodom. Now, let me talk to you about displaying your sin like Sodom. This means that they will embrace the things that Sodom and Gomorrah embraced, and hell came down from the heavens and beat that city to pieces because it's an abomination to God. This is the very base word that we get sodomy from, which is man with man, which is an abomination. It's homosexuality. And he's saying they will display it. They'll put it as though it's honorable, that we should embrace it. They do not even conceal it is the very next verse. They don't conceal it. It's for your display. Do you know many churches embrace it today? Gay clergy. Um, embracing gay, gay marriage. The truth is, these are things that are temporal and they will die with the world because the world is passing away. And there's a great warning that we need to step up and start speaking to people and saying, this is not God's will for your life. They say we come from hate. We don't come from hate. We come from truth. The problem is you don't want to hear truth, just like children oftentimes don't want to have to hear truth. Last night, just, just recently last night, and I'm just kind of going off script here to talk about this for a moment, but my daughter was asking me why. And so I went in and I said, uh, and I took my Bible in her room, and I sat down on the edge of her bed, and I said, you know, you have a great question, but let me help you with your question. We are not American Christians. That is not who our family is. And you need to see this. We don't do things the way other families do them. We don't speak the way other families speak. We don't, don't go to church and then live a different life on Monday. That is not who we're called to be. Let me tell you the type of Christians we are. We are biblical Christians. And because of that, let me show you some scriptures to show you how we should live our lives. Because when we get out of order, then we lose our influence for his purpose in our life because we're all temporal. And we have to maintain our influence on who God has called us to be as a family of God, as a biblical Christian family, not just a church family, a biblical Christian family. And so I pulled out my Bible, and we had a, a long Bible study, and the cool thing about it was she was in with me. At the end, she's like, oh, Dad, thank you. You know, let's pray. And, and so we're, we're praying over this. 
because the world is looking to take us away and the world is looking at stealing our children and making everything as though it's normalized. All this sin that I just read about in Isaiah, that Isaiah is seeing, and, 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 and here's what happens. The more we take out the mighty man, the warrior, the judge, the prophet, the diviner, or the diviner, the elder, the captain, the honorable man, the counselor, the expert artisan, the skillful enchanter, the more these are out, the more the world comes in and just floods us. And now it says they, they display their sin like Sodom and they do not even conceal it. See, I must work on me, men, and, and you must work on you. If I had an application this morning, the application would be we've got to learn to work on us because there's a grave warning that comes from this scripture, and that warning is the very next verse, woe to them, for they have brought evil upon themselves. Isn't it interesting that people will choose evil over good? We are the good news. We are the ones that carry the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Where we go, the good news ought to flow out of us and people should see it. Because we are the mighty men, the warriors, the judge, and the prophets. It's who God's called us to be. By the time you drop down to verse 12, watch what he says. Oh, my people, there are the, there are. Their oppressors are children, and women rule over them. Hmm. It's the day of the woman today. It is. I, I can just tell you. Now, I'm, I'm not after women. I'm simply saying there is an order that God has placed biblically. I counseled a young couple yesterday and said, here's the, here's the problem. The world has this out of order. When you get this back into order, it's not ruling over the women. It's loving the women and leading the women and women and washing them in the word of God. It's what we're called to be. It's who we're called to be. And he says, hey, their oppressors are children and women rule over them. Oh, my people, this is the Lord speaking, those who guide you, lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths, God will judge. That's the word of God. I didn't say God will judge. I'm not up here saying this is the judgment of God. This is the scriptures. Be angry with God and his word if you're angry with anything this morning. It's, it's interesting to me because as I was sitting on the tractor thinking about Isaiah 3, I thought, I wonder what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 3. And I don't know why I even think this. Ezekiel's 100 years later, whatever it is, 80 years later, he's burst on the scene. We got Ezekiel. So I went to Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 7, he says, and this is before, you know, he lays on his side. Y'all know the story of Ezekiel, but this is before that. And he says, but the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because, and this is God speaking to Ezekiel. He said, they're not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me for all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate. They become hardened and obstinate towards me. And because of that, they're hardened and obstinate towards you. But that doesn't mean that we stop being the mighty warriors, the judge, the prophet, the elder, the captain, the honorable man. We keep being who God called us to be and we grow. We work on me first, me first. See, the problem is with, with all who would not follow God, is that they enjoy sin above a relationship with God. And too many men today, even Christian men, men who claim to be Christians, enjoy sin above a relationship with God. 
Men refused to grow up. Morals were more than compromised. And a nation who was supposed to hear God and be an example of him and his word, notice what happened. They chose the world instead of the one who created the world. Men, when we take time to contemplate our lives, we should be contemplating our investments. I spoke to you about this a couple of weeks ago, prioritizing our investments, investments that are about God's kingdom on this earth, investing in the eternal instead of just investing in what's temporal that is passing away with the world. Because as I look in this, this is me looking in the mirror 50 years from now, 100 years from now. I don't know how fast I'll decompose. But I know ashes to ashes and dust to dust and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Our souls must be prepared, men. And that's why it starts with me. Now, we always say, no, it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus and his kingdom. I preach Jesus and his word. I do all this for Jesus. Let me tell you the best thing you can do for Jesus is work on you. It's the best thing I can do for Jesus. So, How do we work on me? What do we do about me? Let me help us here. The first thing you do is die. Here it is. The first thing is die to the flesh and live in the spirit. It's what God's calling us to do. We die to ourselves and we live for Christ. The apostle Paul says to live as Christ, to die is gain. But we are called to to really give ourselves up for the sake of those who are living in a temporal world and will not make the kingdom of heaven. This room should be packed today. If we were given invitation to come, it would be. And it's not that every table's not full. They are. But it's time to set up more tables. We have the answer for the world. The answer that the world is asking, but we have to work on us first. Invitations are are us going out and living in the truth of God. Part of dying to self is understanding, I've got to work on me first. I'm concerned about what is going on in our world today. If you if you watch uh, anything that's happening in our world, I'm like, Jesus just being led astray. The other night, uh, I got in off the tractor, and I came in, and, and uh, my youngest said, let's watch a movie. And I said, yeah. She said, Megamind's on, one of my favorites. Something about Megamind, I knew even the first time I saw it, that guy has kind eyes. Got a big head. His skull goes like this. But we were watching Megamind, and uh, a commercial comes on, and she gets up, and she goes, I like this one. And it's got this good music, and she's dancing and everything, and here in a minute, it's two women kissing. Just It's just a real brief, and then that goes to another thing. It's it's commercial pro- promoting something right here in a children's. And I'm like... Hadley, she said, I'm sorry, I've never seen that before, Dad. And I said, no, it's a catchy tune, and if, as long as you keep dancing, you won't see it. She needed to dance in the Spirit of God for sure, right? I'm concerned about what's going on in the world today. I want to change some things in the world today. I want to make a difference before this happens to me. But I got to work on me. You know, it's interesting that today universities are, are doing studies that people would rather hear a lie that goes along with what they believe than the truth that would change their belief system. That that's where it is today. And if you watch, you will see the politicians are capitalizing on these studies massively. Let me give you an example. Uh, Joe Biden in his speech the other day, and I quote, 
Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, whether you agree with that or you don't, I don't care. I just want you to know what happened the next day. The next day, he said he didn't say that. And nothing about his speech was even divisive. Do you know why? Because that's how easily the people flip and say, okay. He said he didn't say it. Let me give you another one. Um, on Saturday, on Saturday, he stated there is no inflation. Those were his words. Corinne Jean-Pierre replaced Jen Psaki. She became the 35th White House press secretary, and she says anything she wants to if you watch it. I quit watching it. But she stated just the other day, she stated several times, we are not in a recession. Wikipedia has now changed the definition of recession based upon what the White House has put out. Um, the price of fuel is due to the war in Ukraine. Look, have you even seen the price of wheat lately? You watch the price of bread this time next year. If you got a freezer, you better store it up. I'm telling you, all these things concern me, men. And all of them are really temporal in the world because we're about setting up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's the most important thing that we can do. Even the nation is very temporal, and we're seeing that right before us displayed. We could lose this nation in our lifetime. There's no doubt. All these things concern me, but the best answer and the best way to influence these things are by first working on me. As I prayed over this the other day, I just felt like God saying, Curtis, you've got to draw near to me in this situation, in all these situations. It's all for Jesus. Miracles, signs, and wonders don't happen in your own power. They happen in his power. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The power to change things, we're always trying to preach against it and teach against it. And, and it's as uh, Bill said the other day, we try too hard to keep the world out instead of putting the word in. Let me give you some word that will help us uh, transition and become the men of God to make an influence. The first thing I would say is we need the mind of Christ. So what goes in this skull is a mind, all right? And we need that mind of Christ among us today. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says this, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So we must have the Spirit of God working in our minds. Watch this, verse 12. We have received, what we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God. Men, if we really believe that, that what we have is not from the world, but from God, that we are ordained by God for this time, for His purpose, for His plan in our life, we would live powerful lives. Powerful things would happen in our life. Let's keep going. Verse 13, let's just pick it up there. This is what we speak, not in words taught, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Now, men, let me stop for just a moment there. We need to understand that they don't understand. I had a conversation just the other day in the kitchen here in the church 
with someone who's attempting to change their gender, and I appreciated the conversation, but I have to remind myself right now they don't understand the things of the Spirit. And because of that, I can show mercy, I can show grace, and ask them to keep coming and listening to the Word of God because I love them and I don't want you to perish in the temporal because temporal are the things of this world. And I just read First John, the things of this world are slowly passing away. Let's keep going. They consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Verse 16, for who has known the mind, watch this, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then the very next statement, but we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. If the Spirit of God is living within you, then this up here can be transformed. It can be renewed. It can take on the very mind of Christ himself. That's a powerful statement. The Romans 12, you all know Romans 12, 1 and 2. I mean, it's Joshua's favorite scripture. I can tell you that because he can quote it backwards, I think. But the renewing of our mind, it happens through the Spirit of God and the spiritual things of God, not the temporal things of man. And then through the renewing of our mind, you know something about your mind. You may not know this. I've got to move it just a little. I just have two more points. We're going to get there. Let, let me say something about your mind. You know, uh, before I point and do this, my mind's already told my body to do that. That's why your mind is so important and what you put in your mind is so important. Men, if you're putting lustful thoughts, I just read about lust, the lust of this world. All those things are passing away. The boastful pride of life. Let me tell you something. Strong men die. Educated men die. Um, politicians, believe it or not, don't live forever. They die. Reality is this. Reality is this in the mirror for the temporal. But what, what is eternal are when is, is when the mind of Christ begins to take over us and we begin to become concerned about the eternal things of man. We're to carry the character of Christ. So watch, when I, when I work on this, then it works on this, the very character of Christ. It's a hard thing to do in our culture today. We must die to ourselves to be able to maintain the character of Christ. But the renewing of our minds every morning in the Word of God keeps our minds and leads us into the character of Christ. So, men, what am I telling you? Get up in the morning. Read the Word. Pay attention. Renew your mind. There is nothing more important than contemplating Jesus in our life and contemplating the investments that not only He's made, but the investments that we'll make throughout that day. Do we have the character of Christ in our marriage? See, the best thing I can do for me is what? Or for my marriage is what? To work on me. The best thing I can do for my wife is to give her a better husband. The best thing I can do for my children is to give them a better father. And look, when I say better, I'm not talking about good. I'm talking about godly. They'll see my mishaps. They'll see my anger at times. They'll see my, my, 
my miscues and my falls. But here's the truth. It's not all about being good. What it is all about is being godly. Do we have the character of Christ in all our spheres of influence? Do we look to change me first or just complain about everyone else and what they're doing? Do we look to say, or do we ask the question, what is happening, and not realizing that we have the answer to change what's happening? To change it out there first, we must change it in here, men. That's just the way God designed it. We've become complacent, thinking, hoping, and knowing that time is on our side. Like I said, we're all immortal until mortality shows up. And it does. Men, invest. And I would tell you this, invest in your contemplation. All of us need to slow down and start contemplating some things in our lives. Some of us don't like to, and that's why we, we stay sped up. We don't, our minds start racing when we sit down. You ever do that? You ever wake up at night? You don't do this. You ever wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning, and all of a sudden you're going, oh, I, didn't, I didn't call this person. I was supposed to call them back. I didn't. Uh, I, oh, this one had a surgery. I forgot. I, um, oh, no. Um, geez, we brought in this much money, and we're only 6000 in the black this month, and we really need to make a couple more hires. That was this morning for me. Um, There's all kinds of things and reasons why we don't stop. And a big part of it is because the world gets on us. So we say, if I don't stop, the world won't get on me. The truth is we need to stop and we need to contemplate and we need to say, God, please invest in me and take care of these things out here through me. Change me. Start with me. See, mortality is looking at all of us. And for some of, it's, for some of us, it's right here. Spend time thinking, praying, and most importantly, spend time in his word, renewing your mind. The scripture reminds us that the world is eagerly awaiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Did you know you're one of them? The world's been waiting on you to make a difference in their life. That's Romans. The world needs our revelation. They need to see the mind of Christ. They need to hear the words of Christ. The time is now to rise up early, to read his word, to listen to his voice, and to be led by his spirit. Because not only does the church need you, the nation needs you. Ministry is exhausting, but we're all called to go to our caskets poured out. Somewhere we believe the lie to say, it's all about me, not me changing but it's about what I can gain in this world. Instead of realizing, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. In other words, go pour yourself out for the sake of others, for the sake of a nation. When you look at the apostles' life, the apostles' lives, what can we say? Did they go to their casket leaving something undone? Well, one did, but the others poured themselves out. Jesus even tells them in Mark 11, you want me to do this for you? Are you willing to do this for me? Do you realize the cost of what it means to be my disciple? Men, those who find the way, I'm going to tell you a secret today. Those who find the way, those who enter through the narrow gate, don't have to worry about this. Because you are eternal. And the temporal is gone. And you are immortal. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
It's a reality. But your spirit and the new man awaits on you when you get to heaven. A new body, a new life, an eternity with our Lord and Savior. Men, don't get so caught up in the temporal, the things that are passing away. Do something about your eternal this very day, and hopefully do something about someone else's. Father God, we thank you for this message. Grow us up and send us forth. In Jesus' name, amen.